Good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. As we enter into this new season in our lives and also in the life of our nation, let us turn our face to the Lord. And this morning, before we go to the Word of God, let us come to God Himself and ask Him to give us the understanding. Let us pray. Father, we want to acknowledge that, O oh God, that unless You reveal Yourself to us, we will never be able to understand You fully. Even if You reveal Yourself to us, unless with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will also not understand Your revelation. Therefore, we come to You this morning. We want to say to You, the Lord, we are not going to lean on our own understanding. We are going to ask Your Holy Spirit to come and help us to give us the understanding that is necessary so that we might grow from glory to glory so that we may enter into the phase in our life that you have prepared for us to walk into Father, we open our hearts to you we invite you to come to speak to us, Lord, we ask and we pray all this in Jesus' mighty and glorious name Amen Today I'd like to share with us on this uh, uh, this topic in this direction of transformation from glory to glory now last week our brother Leonard has shared with us about growing into maturity I want to suggest to us that change is the inevitable part of growth anything that is growing it will experience it will undergo change Growth into maturity involves transformation. Change is not just for the sake of changing. Change those changes that are necessary for us to grow from one state to another state, from one stage to another stage. You see, the things about growing is this that there is this part of us that is in the past will, will always remain with us. But when we grow to the next stage, when we go through the process of transformation, although we carry the part of us that has become an integral part of our personality, of our, of our spirituality, of our ability, our thinking, and so on, but we will become something that is quite different from where and how we have started in the first place. Allow us to read together with me on from first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 to 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 to 6. Let's read together. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of hearts, of flesh, that is of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul here, the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter to the Christian in Corinth, saying that you are our epistle. Now, when we mention about epistle, it is what is a letter that is written by an apostle. 
which express which expresses the personality, the message that this apostle wants to convey to his reader. That is an epistle. So Paul is simply saying to the Christian in Corinth is this that you are our epistle in our hearts, known and read by all men. You are an open letter. You are this letter that we have written, right? We, we minister to you, but this letter is not written with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. And not on the tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. What does it mean? It means that Paul is saying that your life, your rescued lives, your transformed lives, your saved lives, your redeemed lives, through your response to the message of the gospel, through your response to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, as a result, you are an, an exhibition and demonstration of our message of the gospel. That is in a nutshell what Paul was saying to the Christian in Corinth. And therefore, likewise with our life as well. And those of us who will come to know Jesus in a personal way, when we come into that, the saving grace of God, that is the beginning, right? That is the beginning of our new life in Christ Jesus. And from that very moment, our life has started to be, to, to be written, as it were, by the Spirit of God. Simply means this, that the Spirit of God begins to work through our responses, through the way that we respond to the Word of God, through the way that we respond to the Scriptures, to the Bible, through the way that we respond to the message of the Kingdom of God. You see, we can hear the Word of God, we can read the Word of God, we can receive the message of the Kingdom of God. But if we do nothing about it, nothing is going to change, nothing is going to take place. The Spirit of God, who works in our lives, require us to make the appropriate responses. You see, because we cannot be children all the time. You know, children are told what to do, you wear this, you eat that, and so on and so forth. That it will come a time, there will be decision in the children's life, in the process of growing up. They find themselves that they need to make choices, they need to make decisions. They, they cannot wait for other people to tell them what to do anymore. And every decision that they make, every action that they, uh, that they take, there will be consequences. And these are their choices, you see. And let us read on. And, and, uh, and, and Paul say that, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also makes us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Now, Paul here is saying that now we can do all these things not because we are very powerful, not because we have that inherent power within us, the inherent ability, talents to, to do all these things, to change your life, to shape and transform your life. No, but our trust is towards God through Christ Jesus. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything being from ourselves, he said, in ourselves as apostles, we are not enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough to, to bring about that change lives, the transformation of lives, that, that 
that the life that is uh, uh, that is characterized by by freedom in Christ Jesus. No, we can't do it ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. Our ability is from God. Why can why is it that we can do it? It's because it is God who supply the ability for us to do that. Not only ability and all that we need, all the resources that we that we need, the spiritual resources, the intellect resources. And the emotional strength and all the rest of it, it comes from God, who has made us sufficient as minister of the new covenant. You see, even as we who are ministers of uh, of God's people towards God to God's people, in ourselves it is not sufficient. You know, sometimes we 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 think that in order to minister to others, you know, we're trying to encourage a lot of you to to be part of. Uh, uh, you know uh, the ministry of the church and so on and so forth. You all come to me and say we want training, we want equipping. Well say, well done. If you desire to be equipped, to be trained, that is excellent. But I want to say, I want to say this to all of us, right? This is the next line, right? This is the next verse that Paul was saying. He said, "Who has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter of the." Or, but of the spirit, not of the letter, but of the spirit. But the letter, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives lives. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that don't follow the letter of the law. Don't follow the letter of the instruction, the the the, the literal instructions that you are going to receive, the literal knowledge, the literal knowledge that you are receiving. You think that by knowing all these stuffs, you know, you go through training courses, you go through uh, theological courses, Bible school, all these are fine, all these are absolutely helpful. But is it in itself, this kind of training, is it sufficient? It is not sufficient. Even the Apostle Paul, you know, he described himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He he was he came from a he came from a very a notable. A very prestigious uh, school of uh, theology in his time, but even then he says it is not sufficient. Wow, wow, my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Then what is sufficient? The sufficiency comes from God. It's when the Holy Spirit begins to activate the God-given life that 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 gives of the Holy Spirit inside us. When the Holy Spirit begins to write in our hearts, what is what is what is the requirement of this new covenant? The Word of God, the truth of God. When we go through all these training courses, what we receive is here the knowledge that is very important. But important as it is, it is not sufficient. What is what makes it sufficient is when the Holy Spirit begins to write this knowledge. Write this these uh, words in our hearts. It become part of us. It become part of our experience, not just in our heart. Here we believe in the heart of our heart, not just that. It become part of our experience. It it becomes real to us. And therefore, Paul says, for the letter kills. If you follow strictly whatever that is written in the law of God. You become legalistic. Legalism kills. Legalism stifles the life, the life of God out of the people of God. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives life. 
he, he, he releases us to live life, to live life to the, in the, uh, to the fullest, to live an abundant life. So, can I sum it up in this way? Our new life in Christ begins in the Spirit and we grow through the Holy Spirit. Simply means that our new life in Christ begins when our spirit man has been touched, has been, uh, uh, has been healed, has been saved by God's saving grace in Christ Jesus, by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power of the cross of Jesus. And therefore, because our new life begins in the spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that can grow our own spiritual life and our own Christian life. The Holy Spirit, therefore, is the author of our lives. He is writing into our hearts to the extent that we allow Him to do so. To that extent, He will write in our lives. Writing into our hearts the living Word of God. It is no longer just our intellectual information. It is no longer just knowledge. It becomes part of us. It becomes part of our experience. We begin to lean on those words. Those words begin, uh, begin to spring alive, spring before us and speak to our situation and speak to the depth of our heart and bring deep revelation. When the Spirit of God begins to communicate with us, He communicates to us as a whole person. The requirement of the new covenant, the requirement, the requirement of the new covenant, the Word of God, it will become part of us. Unless that the will of God become part of us, we do not know how to live out this new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. We do not know how to live into, live in this victory, this power, this benefits of the new covenant. Now let's go on reading 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to verse 18. And Paul went on to say, let's read together. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. And if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remained unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
This is a very rich passage. I enjoy reading, you know, the uh, letters, the epistle written by the apostle, by by Paul, by Peter. They have there's so much revelation that is that they are bringing to us in the in the word of God. But in a nutshell, let me try to let me try to let me try to uh, 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 conclude or, or 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 rather derive from this passage some. Some uh, some uh, truth I like us to uh, to consider. First of all, you know Paul was saying, talking about the ministry of death written and engraved on stones. He was of course referring to the Old Testament law. You see, the Old Testament laws, the whole of Old Testament is a revelation of God through mankind. God is revealing Himself to Israel and therefore to a whole mankind who He is. When the whole world did not know who he was, and and uh, and that is the way that he reveals himself. He reveals his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his love, his compassion, and so on and so forth. His mercy and grace, right? But you see, we need to understand this one thing: whatever revelation that we we read, we receive in the Old Testament from God, the Ultimate fulfillment, the physical, the ultimate fulfillment of the redemption of the world lies in Christ Jesus. It is in the cross. It is in the cross. Today we need to recognize, as I often tell you, those of us who are in Desert Stream, when we cannot deny the fact, those of us who live in the New Testament time, we are very different from the Old Testament saints. Because in the Old Testament, the saints, though some of them like Moses, talk to God face to face. Sometimes we wish we say, "We wow, wonderful!" No, Moses was talking to God face to face. Now to say this to all of us that today you and I live in the age, in the time when the 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 ultimate fulfillment of the redemption plan of God has already been revealed, unraveled, and we have tasted it. That is in Christ Jesus. Christ has come, the Savior of the world has come, the Son of God, the begot, the only begotten Son of the Living God, has come and walked among us. Wow! Isn't it even more glorious, my dear friends? And that is what this passage is trying to talk about, comparing the ministry of Moses, such great prophet of God, like Moses in the Old Testament. He said that when he was ministering in that in that in that time in that environment, the glory of God kind of uh, stuck to rub off his face. That wow, he said that this ministry of condemnation. Why does he say ministry of condemnation? Because Paul said that nobody can be saved by law, but only by grace. Because if if you break one law, the least of one of God's law, you have broken the whole law. Then who can fulfill all this law? Paul did an excellent exposition on this matter in the book of Romans, and therefore the ministry of Moses in itself, though glorious, though carry revelation of who God is, is not sufficient. Again, the theme of not being sufficient in the letter of the law, and what makes it sufficient? It is when Christ has come. When Christ has come. And he has promised 
to send His Holy Spirit, to pour out His Holy Spirit on all flesh, on the church, on you and on I and on me. Those of us who open our hearts and long and desire for the Holy Spirit to come upon our lives. God has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit through Christ Jesus. And therefore, and, uh, and, uh, and Paul said even what, we, what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. Right? Remember, we need to put into perspective, huh? It's not that all this time in the crossing of the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, uh, Moses, uh, you know, uh, walking, uh, talking face to face with God, the prophet's life, and so on and so forth. It's not that they are not glorious. Yeah, they, 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 they are glorious, but they are all pointing to something else, something that is called God's glory, the ultimate glory of God. That is when God's Son, the Son of God, became flesh. Wow, heaven comes down and became a person. God came down and became a person. That is glory. For even what was made glorious is no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Paul is simply saying that if what can pass away, we call it glorious. What about those that remain? What about the work of the Holy Spirit? Right? Surely they are more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, like I do now. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Paul knew, knew this very well because he was, a, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee as he described himself. So, in a nutshell, as I say, that this, this, uh, this passage is so rich, in a nutshell, Paul is expounding on this, this phrase explaining this, this, this phrase, what does it mean? The letter kills, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives life. Because if we follow the strict written code of the law, it kills, right? It talks about punishment, it talks about judgment, as if there is no hope, because everybody who sins needs to pay the penalty of sin. But the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit, the New Testament, the New Covenant, when Jesus came, it, 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 turned, it turned things around. That, that written code of the Old Testament can become alive. It can be written on our heart. We can live in it. We can walk in it. We can taste it. We can not only internalize it, we can experience it ourselves. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And when the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with unveiled face beholding as the mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So Paul is saying that when we come, when we, when we, when we are saved, when we are redeemed through Christ Jesus, what happened to us is that this veil, this veil, this veil of legalism, this heavy burden of, uh, of a legal requirement of the written code, 
of the law has been lifted. It is not nullified, but it is lifted. The written code is not nullified. But the veil that the veil of, of uh, hopelessness, the veil of fear of punishment, has been lifted so that we can approach God face to face. Was it not told at the time when Jesus was crucified on the cross? And that final moment, the veil of the separate the most holy place in the temple from the rest of the temple court was torn into half. That veil was literally torn into half. No longer we, can, we, we need to approach God with that veil. We can approach Him freely. And here is the amazing thing about transformation. Here is the amazing thing about spiritual transformation. Now, spiritual transformation is necessary because otherwise we cannot behold God's glory. Spiritual transformation starts with removing of the veil. Yes, we start, we start with our life in Christ Jesus, but the transformation process starts when, when we approach God, we do not need to approach to another person. Today, my dear friends, if we need to pray to God, your Father, if we want to pray to your God, you don't need to look for me to go through me in order to go to God. No! You can go to God because you are God's children. You have a different identity now. You are called God's children. You are called God's son, male and female. You have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And that inheritance is given to all of us. There is no partiality in God Himself. There is no Jews nor Gentiles. There is no male nor female. There is no slave nor free. For in God's eyes we are all his children and it is necessary because we cannot behold god's glory right we cannot experience the first uh, first stage of transformation our whole lives has been so separated so tormented by sin and the consequence of sins by evil in this life and god wants to bring us close to him and say that you are my you are my child when our daughter was born to us when she was little I will hold her up with my hands and put her on my lap and I'll look at her beholding her beholding her face very close because I realize that when babies when they are young their you know their, uh, their, their, their eyesight is not as great so I need to hold her very close I need to I need to I just behold her face to face because I'm her father and therefore she can look at me face to face today we can behold the glorious face of our father we can enter into his presence and Paul say here we are beholding we are beholding God as in a mirror and that brings me to the second important reason why spiritual transformation must take place it is necessary because otherwise we cannot reflect God's glory. If a mirror is being obscured, being obstructed, concealed, it cannot reflect very well, isn't it? So that mirror needs to be clear. And here that veil, that block, that, that, that uh, our, our lives, not only cause us not able to see God's face, God's glorious face, but it also make it impossible for us to reflect God's glory. My dear friends, we are all mirrors. 
whatever great works that we do in the kingdom of God, whatever ability that we have to accomplish great things for the Lord, you know, to help other people, the talent, the resources, and all the rest of it. Remember this, we are just a mirror. We can only reflect as much as we receive. As long as the mirror is clear, it's un unobstructed, then it can reflect God's glory, God's love, God's justice, God's righteousness, God's mercy, God's grace. It come out from us because we are a reflector. We are a clear mirror. Now, this is a process. The process of transformation cannot be short-circuited. You know, we've been talking about animals and uh, in the past few weeks, last week in the Chinese service, I talked about another animal, seagulls. But this week, we are, I, I, I just thought of it uh, so uh, befitting to, to, to bring this example to us about the process of transformation from a chrysalis to a butterfly. Now, in front of your screen, you see that the chrysalis is uh, when the caterpillar begin to, to put themselves into a, into, into a cocoon, into, into a chrysalis. You know, the, the, uh, the first image that you can see in front of your screen here. And it needs to go through a process of growth and uh, metamorphosis. So it, 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 will, it will grow, it will transform inside that chrysalis. And you can see the second picture, you can see a faint kind of an outline of the wings of the butterfly. And the third one, you, 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 you'll be able to see even clearer now, right? You practically see the outline of it. And it will take a while before that butterfly can, can reach a time when the chrysalis begins to split open because of the natural growth and transformation that they are... Uh, uh, the caterpillar was going through. It was growing wings and so on and so forth. I have a great interest. I have great interest in uh, in, uh, in butterfly. When I was when I was little, I I collected stamps. One of the things that I love to collect is were were butterflies. But the only thing is that I do not know how to preserve it. You know, as uh, primary school students, uh, 10, 11 years old, I didn't know how to preserve the butterfly. In those days, I was trying to look for people to help me, to teach me how to preserve them and find out the process can be uh, very uh, tedious, it involves chemical, it involves using spirit, I mean, the chemical, and so on. So I, I, and I decided not to, and my parents didn't quite like it because playing around with chemical. But I observed that, you know, uh, not that I observe, but sometimes I, I, I look at a, 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 a chrysalis on the tree and uh, the next minute, say, oh, it's empty, it's gone, it came out already. But this is the picture that, that shows us that the chrysalis begin to, to, to split open at the time when the butterfly is ready to emerge. And the next picture, you can see that it started to emerge. Now, he still hold on to the, to, the, to the shell of the chrysalis, but finally, you can see the final picture that from a caterpillar after being, um, being uh, uh, locked into a chrysalis, being hidden, being hidden for a time. When, while he was being hidden, the process of transformation needs to take place. It needs to go through that due process. You know, can you imagine that if a child look at that? Wow, this, 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 I can see the outline of the butterfly already. Why is it not coming out?
can you imagine that if a, if a child would say that, let me help the butterfly to come out? Picture number three. And he decided to split it open, use a pen knife to help the uh, butterfly to come out to be set free. You know what happened to the butterfly? You all, you all know what happened to the butterfly. That butterfly will not live because the process of transformation has not been completed. We need to wait for it to be completed at the right time for it to come out. You see, a caterpillar, when they are inside, going through that transformation process, if they are, they are attacked by, by disease and so on, if that transformation process is being stunted, it didn't go on further. For whatever reason, it stopped. You know, at a time when the chrysalis begin to split open, that butterfly will not be fly, will not be able to fly, will not live healthy, healthily as well. So, this is the season. They were being hidden in God's presence. This is the time that God is uh, wanting to change us, wanting to change us, to transform us into somebody who is befitting His will and purpose. He wants to bless us. He wants the best out of us. The next reason it is necessary because otherwise we are insufficient to thrive in a new environment. Can you imagine that the caterpillar continue to live as a caterpillar? It will starve to death, it will become, it cannot fly, it cannot get the food that it, uh, it requires, it needs. But it needs to fly. But how to fly? How to, how, to, how to move from an environment that is always, you know, on three leaves, on the three branches, to, to a kind of life that you can go far places, you can go, you can, you can go and find your own food and so on and so forth unless and until they develop mature wings and that is why transformation is necessary likewise you know the world that we are living in is getting more and more complex it's become more and more complicated and 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 the life that is ahead of us it is like it is like it's going to be so it's going to be so different from 10 years ago from five years ago how do, we, how do we thrive in that kind of new environment? It's what we, it, it, it doesn't mean that all that we have is sufficient for us to be able to not just survive, huh? to thrive, to excel in the new environment. Perhaps some of us feel that we are not sufficient. I want to encourage you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, allow the Lord to change us to another person. Allow the Lord to... to to bring the sufficiency into our life allow the lord to take us through the process of transformation do not resist his will do not reject his voice if his spirit speaks to you obey his voice if his word speaks to you obey his words if he comes to you in the word of prophecy if it comes to you in the personal word unto you receive it digest it interact with him allow him to bring us through the process of transformation the whole spiritual transformation changes us into the person God wants us to be in 1st Samuel chapter 10 verse 6 we saw King Saul right King Saul and the prophet Samuel say to Saul he says that when, when you go out you're gonna meet a company of prophets now, in verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will control you. You will prophesy with them and you will be transformed into another person. You will be transformed into a different person. 
when we allow God's Spirit to write in our spirit, to alter our lives, we will be transformed to a different person. From a caterpillar to a butterfly, nothing about the caterpillar and nothing about the butterfly that looks alike, but they are the same. They are the same animal. There are times and seasons in our lives that God is bringing us through. Perhaps such as now. These are opportunities that God is creating to take us through the process of transformation. Cooperate with Him. Submit to Him. Do not struggle. Enjoy. Enjoy that, 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 that time with Him. Being hidden in Him. But allow Him to change us from the inside out. I'm going to invite us to come to the Lord during this time to, to respond to what the Lord might be saying to you today. I sense that some of you here feel that, yeah, I want to be transformed. Now, I want to say to those who are watching this uh, online service, this I sense that some of you feel that I want to go through the process of transformation, but it is too difficult. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when God transforms us, it is not necessarily easy, but it is always safe if we hide ourselves in Him. Take courage. Take courage. Take hold of the hands of the Lord and say to the Lord, Be it unto me according to your will. Let us pray. Father, we want to come to you. We want to lay our lives bare before you and we want to say that, Lord, we need you. We trust in you. Lord, we, we want to flow with you. We want to be the person that you have created us to be, that you have purpose for us to be. And therefore, we surrender ourselves to you. Allow your Holy Spirit to alter in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for you have the best interest. You have our best interest in your mind. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen.